Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Listen again for the word of the Lord. On the first day of the week when we met to break bread, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was holding a discussion with the people of Troas. Since he intended to leave the next day, he continued speaking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting, and a young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and bending over him, took him in his arms and said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with the people of Troas until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is week six of a nine-part sermon series on spiritual gifts. Over the summer, we are asking, what is a spiritual gift? How do we discern them in ourselves, and how do we affirm them in others? And today, we celebrate the spiritual gift of teaching. Have you ever had a gifted teacher? Have you ever had a gifted teacher? A teacher who not only knew their subject, but inspired you to learn. A teacher who not only inspired you to learn, but led you to new insight, to new ways of living and new ways of being. Have you had a teacher like that? The best teachers are not only skillful, the best teachers are not even always teachers in a formal sense. Those with the gift of teaching can't help but teach. They can't help but bring others along. They teach because it's their calling. The best teachers shape us, and in doing so, they can even influence the direction of our lives. Several years ago, almost a decade now, I began to discern a call to ministry. I began to wonder if I should be doing something different with my life, but sometimes when God calls, we shout through the door, I'm not ready yet and I wasn't ready yet, but I still felt pulled. So I came up with a plan, a brilliant plan, a brilliant plan that would prove to myself and to God that I wasn't cut out for ministry. I called up my college roommate who had just graduated from Princeton Seminary and I asked her, what was your least favorite class? What was your least favorite class? What class made you want to quit? What class made you want to run for the hills? And she didn't hesitate when she said Hebrew. Hebrew was the worst class for her in seminary. And so Hebrew was my plan. I would take a Hebrew class. I would take the worst possible class and surely, surely that would throw cold water on this calling. So I found a Hebrew class. Not just any Hebrew class, an online Hebrew class. <laughs> Have you ever taken a foreign language? 
Have you taken a foreign language online? Yeah. It's terrible. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? Well, that was perfect because it was part of my plan. I was sure that I would prove I wasn't cut out for seminary and not only just seminary, but not cut out for ministry. So I signed up for online Hebrew. And the schedule went something like this. I worked all day long. I was still working full time. I'd pick up my toddlers from daycare. I'd get them fed and bathed and in bed. I'd finish all the household chores and get things ready for the next day because my husband at the time was traveling all the time. And then, then around nine o'clock at night, when all I wanted to do was fall exhausted into bed, I log onto my laptop and watch a Hebrew lecture. Now, sometimes I would doze off right there in front of the computer. Sometimes I would, I have to admit. It sounds terrible, and it should have been terrible. It should have been a terrible experience. The Bible says, though, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's true. I know it's true. Because the first night that I turned on my computer, the first night I sat down and pulled up that first lecture, who appeared on the screen but Dr. Brennan Breed? <laughs> Some of you know Dr. Brennan Breed. He's the church theologian here. And back in those days, I never would have imagined being on the same staff as him. My plan to sign up for the worst seminary class and to prove that ministry was a terrible idea, my plan was dead on arrival. <laughs> if you've heard Dr. Bree teach, you know that he can make drying paint sound like the most fascinating thing in the world. He can also make Hebrew sound like the most fascinating thing in the world, even online Hebrew. He made it so fascinating, I stayed up night after night, watching lectures, doing homework, memorizing what felt like thousands of vocabulary words. He made it so fascinating that instead of hating the worst class in seminary, I loved it. I even applied to be a teaching assistant for it. I looked forward to that class. And because it's Dr. Breed, and some of you know his teaching here at the church, you know when I say I wasn't just learning a language. Because Dr. Breed is a gifted teacher. And so he taught us that it isn't just a language, just an old, ancient language. Encoded in that language are cultural norms and ancient theologies that shape our faith even today. After that Hebrew class, I did enroll in seminary. That is the power of a gifted teacher. In our New Testament lesson, we meet another gifted teacher, the Apostle Paul. If you've read Paul's letters, you might find this surprising, but Paul is the preeminent teacher of the early church. He was a well-loved teacher. He amassed a following. That's why we have so many of his letters because the churches use them to study. Last month, we noticed that when the church at Antioch, one of the first major churches outside of Jerusalem, that church in Antioch, when they needed a teacher, Paul was recruited to teach them. 
But Paul didn't stop at Antioch. He made three journeys around the Mediterranean, three journeys teaching and preaching along the way. Our New Testament reading comes from the tail end of his second journey. And here we find Paul in Troas, the western edge of modern day Turkey. In Troas, in an upper room, Paul begins to teach and he teaches and teaches and teaches until midnight. The community of believers have gathered in this upper room to hear Paul and our scripture is careful to mention that among them is a young man named Eutychus. But we notice this about Eutychus, he doesn't have a seat in the room. He doesn't have a place to sit. He has to sit on a windowsill. Now, have you ever been tempted to sit on a windowsill at church? We have nice, wide windowsills in this room. I don't see any takers this morning, though. Maybe you haven't, especially if there's a comfortable pew that you could sit in. Well, I've been in this sanctuary when it was packed to the gills, when it was so packed that there wasn't a place to sit. And in those moments, those windowsills start to look pretty nice. So why would someone sit on a windowsill? They sit on it because they are desperate to be in the room. Eutychus isn't deterred by his discomfort or his exhaustion. He wants to hear with his own ears this great teacher of early Christianity, and he will do whatever it takes. Now, I'm sure that even in those days, he knew that a third-story windowsill wasn't the safest place to sit. But he does it anyway because Eutychus wants to be in the room. He's not the first person to do whatever it takes to hear a great teacher. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus wanted to hear the great teacher, Jesus. But when he got to the edge of the crowds, he was too short to see over them. So Zacchaeus, and I imagine this was against the advice of his wife, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. A tree, a grown man, a fairly high-status man. I imagine he had to take his suit jacket off to get prepared. He climbs a tree just to see Jesus with his own eyes. Zacchaeus didn't care that he might look foolish or that what he was doing might be a little dangerous. He just wanted to be in the presence of a great teacher. So Eutychus knows that an open windowsill three stories above the street isn't the safest place to sit, but maybe it was the only place for him to sit. And he sits there anyway because he so desperately wants to hear what Paul has to say. He wants to hear every word. As the night wears on, though, Eutychus wears down and he falls asleep. But he doesn't just fall asleep, he falls out of that open window. That name, Eutychus, is a Greek name. It means lucky. That's what it means, lucky. You didn't know the story had a joke in it, but it does, because lucky just fell out of a window to his own death. Lucky is having an unlucky night. The worship service screeches to a halt. Paul stops teaching. He runs downstairs, and there's Eutychus on the ground looking very unlucky. And it doesn't look good for him. It doesn't look good for Eutychus. It doesn't look good for Paul either. He probably knows who everyone's going to blame for the death of this young man. Paul starts to pray. 
He gathers up Eutychus and he starts to pray over Eutychus. And God gives Paul the power to bring him back to life. So maybe Eutychus is lucky after all. We could read this story as a warning. Woe to the one who falls asleep in church. <laughs> There's a lot of uncomfortable laughter on that. Woe to the one who falls asleep in church. We could read it that way, or we could read the story as a promise. Blessed is the one who seeks God with all their heart. Blessed is the one who shows up to worship when their back is aching, when their heart is broken. Blessed is the one who shows up to worship after staying up all night with a teething toddler or after staying up for a late night shift. Blessed is the one who shows up distracted and worried, hungry, or with wrinkled clothes or even missing shoes. Blessed is the one who shows up so hungry for God's presence, so hungry to be among God's people that they will endure discomfort and inconvenience. Blessed is the one so eager to hear good teaching. They don't care where they sit so long as they're in the room. The gift of teaching is an important gift. It's important for the Eutychuses among us, and there are Eutychuses among us. Our flowers today are given by the Thursday Bible study. Did you know that our Thursday Bible study, that's a midweek study led by a team of pastors, that study has doubled in size over the last two years? It's not just the Thursday Bible study, though. Across all of our adult faith formation programs, that's Sunday school, Bible study, and small groups, we've seen attendance double in the last two years. In this congregation, nearly 30% of regular worshipers participate in some form of adult faith formation. That's not just a healthy number. That exceeds what we should expect for a church of our size. In this church, the gift of teaching matters, and it's bearing fruit. When it comes to children and youth, our programs are steadily growing, growing so much that this spring we beefed up our staff to meet the need. Why are these programs, these Christian education programs, growing so much? It's because of the Eutychuses. It's because of the folks that come through our doors who perch themselves figuratively speaking, on our window ledges because they want to grow deeper in their faith and they're hungry for a gifted teacher to help them do that. The gift of teaching matters. In our Old Testament reading this morning, we learned that when the people of Jerusalem returned to Jerusalem after 50 years in exile, they had forgotten their faith. They had lived for 50 years in a different country as displaced people in Babylon. And they had forgotten who they were and whose they were. They needed teachers to read them the scriptures and explain them. They needed teachers to reconnect them to their faith. A priest named Ezra sets up a makeshift classroom. That's what we were reading about, his makeshift classroom outside. And though Ezra is a gifted teacher himself, he doesn't teach alone. He needs help. 
I congratulated our beetle, Louise Pardue, this morning for her reading of that long, long list of names. I saw some people getting their Bibles out halfway through, making sure she was saying it right. That she had a long list of names, and you might have heard that list. Those names were all the people who joined with Ezra and used their gift of teaching to build up the community. The gift of teaching matters. So today, if you're holding on to your own gift of teaching, and if you're saying to God, I'm not ready yet, I want you to know there's a lot of Eutychuses that need your gift. There's a lot of Eutychuses in this church right now that need your gift. And when you're ready to use it, call me because I'll help you find a place. When you share your gift with others, when you lean into where God is calling you to serve, it not only brings you joy, it will change your life. And most importantly, it will change the lives of those you serve. I tried to count up all the teachers I ever had, and I stopped when I got to about 150. Not all of those teachers were school teachers. <laughs> Some were music teachers, art teachers, dance instructors, coaches. Some were friends, some were parents and grandparents. Some were strangers from whom I learned an important lesson. Many of them were good teachers. Some of them were gifted teachers. Gifted teachers who saw their teaching as a calling from God and then leaned into that calling. Today, we remember and celebrate those teachers who have guided us and shaped us and inspired us. Teachers who have shown us how to live better, how to be better. Teachers that may even have changed the direction of our lives. Thanks be to God for the gift of teaching and thanks be to God for the teachers among us. Amen. We will affirm our faith this morning by affirming the spiritual gift of teaching that we have witnessed in others. So I invite you to find your card. If you don't have a card, you can use the back of your bulletin. Just rip a page out, it'll be okay. Find your card, use your bulletin. Write on it the name of someone who has shared their gift of teaching with you. It could be someone who shared it with you personally or someone who you see sharing that gift with this congregation. Write their name on your card now. Let us pray. God of all wisdom, we thank you for the gift of teaching and for those teachers among us, those teachers whom we have written their names down this morning. We thank you for their gifts. We thank you that you have called them and equipped them and that they have said yes to your call. Fill them with your wisdom, empower them by your spirit, that they might continue to share their gifts for the building up of your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.